once again, good morning. Um, a quick question for you guys, uh, and this may reveal a little bit about your personality. Um, anyone ever have a hard time waking up in the morning? Uh, my wife does not. Erin is like, alarm goes off, boom, she's, she's up. Me, it's like seven times after I hit the snooze button that I finally get myself out of bed most mornings. But recently, I sought to remedy this issue. And so I bought a, a new alarm clock. And it is a sunrise alarm clock. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these things. Um, okay, Kim and Dan have one? Okay. Um, so what this thing does is it has a ring around the alarm clock. It's like a circular thing. And uh, it has a light. And a, you set the alarm on this. And at a certain point, the light starts to grow on this light ring. And there's this beeping that starts really faint and then it grows and grows as the light gets brighter and brighter and so it's meant to simulate sunrise and uh, and so it's uh, you know as as I was looking at it and reading the reviews and everything what everybody was saying is that that this is meant to help you wake up more refreshed you know to have a better night's sleep because you're waking up just like you were meant to wake up right and so I was reading it, and I'm sold. I'm like, where do I buy this thing? Well, Amazon, of course. But, but so I'm like, so okay, I have to have this thing. So I bought it. Now, I've only been using it for just a little bit. I can't really attest to whether I'm more cheery in the morning or not. Uh, you have to talk to Aaron about that. I'm getting a blank look, so probably not. Um, but it is an interesting idea, right, to wake up with light, you know, kind of the, the way that we are created to wake up and function. Now this morning we're in the second week of a, a teaching series that we started last week and we're looking, as you, you saw, at the I am statements of Jesus. There are these seven different statements and uh, metaphors that Jesus uses to make claims about his character and nature. And today we're looking at the statement from Jesus that we find in John chapter 8 where he says, I am the light of the world. Now, last week we started this series by kind of looking at the, uh, the importance of those very first two words of all of these statements, I am. And, and if you weren't with us, uh, I'll just kind of review briefly. We, we, we looked at how in the Greek, the wording that is used here, it's ego, I me, it's two words. It lit literally, if you put those two together, it's I am, I am. And, and, and in using this verbiage that, that, that is used here, what happens here is there's this line that is drawn back to uh, Exodus chapter 3, where the covenant name for Yahweh is revealed to Moses, where he says, I am who I am. Moses says, who am I going to say has sent me? And he says, tell them, I am has sent you. And so we saw last week how in using this verbiage, what Jesus was essentially doing is He's connecting the dots between Himself and the Father. And He's saying that I and the Father are one. When you get Me, you get God. I am, I am. And so last week we, we, we started first by looking at that, and then we looked at the statement that we find from uh, Jesus in John chapter 6, where right on the heels of feeding thousands of people on a mountainside, Jesus uses that setting and that situation as a backdrop while He declares, I am the bread of life. 
And the point was made that Jesus is calling us to come to Him as the place where our true needs are met. To, to the place where we find everything that we need. To the place that, 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 that we lack absolutely nothing. Come to Him as the bread of life. Now again, this morning... We're digging into the second of these I am statements uh, and we're looking at John chapter 8, verse 12 where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus being referred to using this verbiage of light is a common picture throughout the writings of John. If you look at John chapter 1, uh, in, in, uh, in verse 4, it says, In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Or if you look at John chapter 3, verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Or, or John chapter 12, I have come into the world as a light uh, that, 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 that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. In 1 John chapter uh, 1, verse 5, uh, it, he says, God is light. There, in Him there is no darkness at all. And so we see this verbiage of, of light being used throughout the, the, the writings of John. But as we come back here to John chapter 8, though, it's not just that emphasis on light that stands out, but this statement by Jesus here is also made very poignant because of the setting that we find Him in as well. And just like we saw last week, where Jesus used the situation and circumstances that He was in as sort of a springboard to, for that declaration, I am the bread of life, right? He had just multiplied bread. And now he says, I am the bread of life because the people come looking for more bread, right? And so he says, I am the bread of life. That's who you need to come to for everything you need. And so he uses that situation and those circumstances as a springboard to say that. And just as that was the case then, so it is the case now as we come to this passage and Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. Now, to get our minds around what's going on contextually for this passage, uh, we find Jesus here as we come to chapter 8. We see it in chapter 7 and then chapter 8 where we're at right now is a continuation of this. But Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now the Feast of Tabernacles was a very interesting festival or feast for the Jewish people. Uh, and a lot of what was being celebrated at, during this festival or this feast was the harvest. It was an autumn festival, which, you know, we can kind of get our minds around that, a harvest festival. I'm not sure if there was like a trunk and treat or anything like that, but, you know, we, can, we kind of get like what's going on at a harvest festival, right? They're celebrating the harvest, right? But in addition to that, there was this big focus on not just celebrating and giving thanks for the harvest, but also thanksgiving for God's provision for, the, for Israel in the years of wandering in the wilderness. Now, there were a few different ways that they would do this, that they would celebrate and give thanks. Um, one of these was in order to kind of commemorate the nomadic journey of the, of, of the Jewish people where they followed God throughout the wilderness and they, they, they didn't live in just homes that were stationary but they, they picked up and moved from place to place. They kind of lived as nomads. So in order to, to celebrate that and all the years that they lived in temporary shelters, for seven days during this festival, they would actually set up temporary shelters themselves. And so they would have what are called booths. Uh, and they would set them up on their roof or set them up outside of their house 
And they would actually live in these booths for seven days of the festival. It's why sometimes you see it referred to as the Festival of Booths, right? It's kind of like um, a number of years ago, my kids were little. Uh, I think Anna was probably like four or five. Ethan, that would have made him about eight or, or so. And, um, and we had been talking about going camping. And uh, we didn't go anywhere to get a campsite. Instead, what we did was we camped in our backyard. We set up the tent, and, uh, and we, you know, we did everything just like we were going to a campsite. We set everything up in the side yard and got the sleeping bags out there. I think we might have even grilled hot dogs or something like that. And it was just the three of us. It was just me, Ethan, and Anna, because Erin's so wise. She's like, there's AC in the house. Like, what? <laughs> why would I go camp in the backyard, right? Um, so, no, I think she wanted it to be a bonding experience or something. Um, so we camped out in the backyard. We had our own little booth set up, right? And we've never done it again. Um, <laughs> there's plenty of reasons for, for that. Uh, but, but, you know, that's kind of what was going on here is they're camping out in their backyard. They've set up these booths and they're staying here for seven days to celebrate that, you know, this, that, that staying in temporary shelters in the wilderness. Now, another thing that they would do in this festival is they would, there was a huge focus on water. And, you know, part of that is the tie-in with the harvest and the giving thanks for the water that God had provided, but also praying for the water that was needed for a harvest. And so they would have this, uh, and they would, you know, it's also the, the provision of God at giving them water in the, in the wilderness as well. And so they would have this water ceremony during the festival. And what would go on during the water ceremony is the priests would go to the pool of Siloam and they would fill a golden jar with water there. And then they would take it up to the temple and, 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 and then they would pour it out along with a, um, a wine from, from another bowl. They'd pour it out over the, the altar and, and, and it would flow down over the altar and then they would begin these prayers for rain. And, and, and they would give thanksgiving for God's provision of rain. And in fact, if you go back to chapter 7 of John, verse 37 and verse 38, Jesus capitalized on that imagery as well. And when he's at this feast, he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Okay? So that's, that's being said at this festival. When, and, and, and during this festival, one of the things that they would do is have these water ceremonies. Now, the other thing that was done at this, and this is, this is what is really hyper-relevant to where we are this morning and the statement that, that we're looking at from Jesus, is during this festival, there was a huge emphasis on light. Again, it's a harvest festival, okay? And you need light for the harvest. And the time of year that this would happen was the time where the night and the day were about equal. The light and the darkness were about equal. Okay, I think it's called the equinox. I believe that's, I believe that's what it's called. I'm not, I don't know what, stu what study you have to do. But some people are shaking their heads. So I'm like, okay, so I'm not completely dumb, just a little bit. All right, all right. So it was the equinox, okay? So anyway, that was part of what they were celebrating, right? Uh, but also they're celebrating the fact that God guided them through the wilderness by a pillar of fire, right? He guided them at night by a pillar of fire and then a cloud during the day. And so they had these huge, um, this huge light festival and, or this light uh, celebration. 
and they had these big candlesticks. And I hesitate to even call it a candlestick because when I think of a candlestick, I think of like a little dinky thing, you know, just like this, like that big and like that big around. But these things were massive. And there were these golden candle pillar things, right? And on top of them, there was four bowls, four golden bowls that they would fill with oil. And, and they had four of these things, so 16 bowls. And you had to actually use a ladder. There were ladders to each of these, so you could climb up to fill these up with oil. And they would use, this is kind of gross. Actually, it's not even kind of gross. It's gross. Um, they would use the worn-out undergarments of the priests for wicks. Which, I mean, if you're going to do anything with them, right? Burn them, right? Um, uh, I'm not going to go any further down that road. But that's what they would use for wicks. They would pour all of this oil into these gold bowls. And they would use these undergarments for, for wicks and set them on fire. Now, as they set these things on fire, choirs of Levites would be singing. And there'd be all this music being played. And there'd be dancing and singing in the streets. And, 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 and these massive things were set on fire. Now, with a, in a world that did not have public lighting at the time, uh, after dusk, this light coming out of these things and shining and reflecting off of the limestone walls of Jerusalem must have been spectacular. And, and some of the Jewish writings and the historians actually say that this light, when, when they lit this up, every courtyard in Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem, was lit up. The, the, even, there's even some writings that say that women would do laundry at night or could do laundry at night because they could see everything from the light coming out of these, these, these big candelabras, which is, which is amazing. Now, keep that in mind. Keep that picture of those huge things lighting up the whole city of Jerusalem. Keep that in mind as we come back to this passage here in John chapter 8. Because Jesus, on this final day of the Feast of Tabernacles, He is teaching in this very same court where this would have happened. It was in the court of women. It was a, a big gathering spot. And so he's teaching in this very same place where this lighting ceremony takes place during this festival. And he stands beneath those huge bowls and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's incredible to think about the imagery there. Now, there are just a couple of things that I want us to, to think about in this morning as, as we look at what Jesus is saying here in the text. Because in using this metaphor of light, in using this imagery, Jesus, he's revealing something to us about himself. He's revealing something to those around him about himself. And so we want to catch what he is saying here. And so we're going to do this very simply by just kind of looking at what light is and what light does and, and, and because I think by doing that and equating the two, Jesus and light, because that's what he says. He says, I am the light of the world. By doing that, I think we can see a little bit of what Jesus is saying here. We're not going to cover everything, but there are three things that I really want us to look at here. And so, so, so what, is, what is it that light does? What does light do? Well, this may seem pretty obvious, but the first thing is that it illuminates Light helps you see things. It allows those who have it, who have light, to see things that they 
need to see. Last week I was sharing about how we were out in California on vacation and we were staying for part of the time we were staying at a cabin up in the Sierra Mountains uh, of California. And, and now this cabin is, is way up in the mountains. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's so far up that there's no cell phone service, praise God. Um, but there's also no electricity either. And so it operates off of a generator for any kind of lights or power. So at night, you, you have the generator on, you eat dinner, you play a couple games of Yahtzee, and usually I cream everybody at that, uh, or skip bow, and I cream everybody at that. Actually, I don't think I won a game. Okay, I didn't even play it. My integrity has just been destroyed. I'm sorry. Who kept the middle schoolers in here? Uh, but years passed, I dominated at Yahtzee uh, when they were four. Um, so usually you keep the lights on, the generator's running all night long until you go to bed. And then when you go to bed, when you're ready to go to bed, you hit the remote. And the generator shuts off, and it is dark. And I mean dark. I don't know how many of you guys have had experience of being away from the lights of a city and just seeing how dark it gets when you only have the moon and the stars. But it gets dark. And so the cabin, when you go to sleep, it's completely dark. But when you have to get up in the middle of the night and go to the other side of the cabin for the restroom... Uh, this can be a little bit of an issue unless you have a flashlight. Now, most of the time while we were staying there, Erin had the flashlight on her side of the bed. And I, being the, the you know, nice husband that I am, I, I, I hated waking her up to get the flashlight, right? But I did most of the time, except for one night, I was trying to, to test out my ninja reflexes and be really nice to her and not wake her up. And so I decided I'm just going to make it on my own. I can make it to the restroom and back. I know where everything is. Like, I've got a mental map. Like, I'm mission impossible at this point, right? I'm like, okay, I know that there's steps here and that there's a couch here, and there's a table here, there's a counter here. And if I can just navigate all of that stuff in my mind without seeing them, I'm home free, right? So I, I make out and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm heading out. Now, I had decided that I did not want to wake Aaron up by getting the flashlight. And so what I did instead is I woke the entire cabin up by banging through. I was like an elephant just crashing through this thing. I was like hitting my knee on this countertop and my toe on this. And so it's like the whole cabin woke up because I was trying to get through. You know, when you think you know where things are, but when it's dark, you don't know where things are. Now, if I would have just used the light and just got the flashlight, I would have been able to see all of those things that I banged into because that's one of the things that light does. It helps us to see. It reveals the things that we need to see. And just the same, Jesus illuminates. He helps us to see the things that we need to see in life. Hallelujah. Now, you know, first, He helps us to see God who, for, for who He really is. Uh, as the light of the world, Jesus is the human face of God's glory in nature. He is God in flesh in real time and, and, and in real life. The, the writer of Hebrews in, in chapter 1, verse 3, he says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. 
He's the very nature of God. If you want to know God and know who He is and know what He's like, look at Jesus. Because that is who He is. He is the exact representation of, of God. And, and you know, we, we've kind of been looking at this as what Jesus is saying with these I am statements. He's like, if you want God, look at me. I am. I and the Father are one. You know, so you, you, you get me and you get God. And so, so Jesus reveals the nature and the glory of God as the light of the world. And we also, at, with Him as our light, we see the world around us differently as well. You know, in the light of, uh, of Jesus, the things are exposed and revealed. We, it, Jesus, He exposes who we are without Him. And He also exposes and reveals who it is that we can become by following Him and who it is that we are in Him, who, what our true identity is. And we, we see through different eyes and we have different vision when we have Jesus. In John chapter 9, if we go just a little bit further, uh, there's this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Because there's this guy that's born, that, that said, the Scripture says was born blind. And Jesus comes upon him and he heals him. He gives him his sight. And, and, and if, you, if you remember the story, here's what the guy says. And the, the, he's getting questioned by the Pharisees. He says, I don't know any of what you're talking about. I don't know who this guy is. All I know is I once was blind and now I see. I once was blind and now I see. That's the song that we sing, right? Amazing Grace. I once was blind, but now I see. I, before, everything was dark. And now there's light. I can see everything. I can see everything. And so, so Jesus, as the light of the world, He, he, he opens things up. And, and more than just a flashlight, more than just a flashlight through the cabin, all the lights have come on. And we can see who it is that, 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 that we truly are and what we truly need to see by Him. Next thing that I, I think that, that light does and, and, and as such Jesus does as well or Jesus does and, and light does, however you want to word that, but, but light helps things to grow and mature. Light helps things to grow and mature. You know, this world, as we know it, as you look around the, the, the world around us, the natural world doesn't exist without light. It doesn't, it, it doesn't grow it doesn't mature. Uh, you know, look back at Genesis chapter 1. And it says that the world was, was, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then what happened? Let there be light. Yeah, and then things are created. Things are created, right? And, 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 and things, you know, can grow with light. We, um, before we went away, we've been in the process of, of moving from, uh, from a house that we've been in for a while and to an, uh, another house that we just moved in this, this past weekend. And, uh, and so before we left to go away on vacation, I was getting rid of some stuff and I put everything out with the trash. And uh, I don't know, our old neighborhood, I don't know if your place is like this, but you can leave stuff by the mailbox and it'll just disappear. It's not the trash guys that come get it. It's just somebody's like, I needed a broken skim board. Like, I didn't know that, but it's mine now, right? And so, like, we, I, I just, like, I put stuff out there. I'm like, okay, I've got, like, this old card table, and I've got a broken skim board, and I'm just going to put these out there. And the trash men came, and they picked up the, the stuff that was in the, the bin, but that stuff 
didn't get picked up by anybody. For some reason, our neighborhood was on vacation or something because none of that stuff got picked up. Instead, what happened is it fell over onto our grass. And for two weeks, it sat there. <laughs> now, what do you think it looked like when I picked that card table up and looked at what was underneath? Everything was dead. It was dead. The grass was all dead, right? And, and, and that's because it didn't have what it needed to grow. It didn't have what it needed to thrive. It did not have the light shining in there and giving it all of the nutrients that it needed. And, 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 and that's the same thing with us. The light of Christ helps us to grow into who we are meant to become. And He's the one that, that helps us to mature as we see things by His light. He helps us to grow and mature into that which He is calling us to be. Now, lastly, uh, the other thing that light does is light guides. As we look at this you know, setting of this festival that Jesus is, is uh, proclaiming this in, one of the things that they celebrated, we talked about this with the light, was God guiding the Israelites by that pillar of fire. You know, He guided them through the wilderness by that pillar of fire. This is where you need to go. I'm going to guide you the way that you, you, you need to go. And the same thing for, for us, Jesus as our light. As we follow Him, we can know that we're going in the right direction. He lights the way. He, he, he guides us to where it is that, 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 that He knows we need to go. Now think about this with the Israelites. Think about if they see this pillar of fire, but then off the, in the distance, they see like a star reflecting off of a puddle. And they go, well, that's a light. Let's just follow that, right? And not follow... The, the, this light in the sky, you know? And, and, and they, they, they decide to depart from that. What's going to happen? They're not going to end up where they need to go, right? They're going to end up in a completely different place because they're not following the light. And, 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 and here's, you know, if you look in other places in Scripture, we need, to, we need to be aware of this, okay? Jesus doesn't say, I am a light. He says, I am the light, Okay? I am the light. I'm the light of the world. I'm the one that you need to follow. Now, there are things that look like light that are beckoning us to follow them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, Paul says, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Amen. He masquerades as an angel of light. He's saying, come follow me as a light, right? But Jesus is the light of the the world and so we need to to beware and and that's where him illuminating things comes in you know the, the revealing those things and, and 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 helping us to discern what is it that i'm i'm following here am i truly following the real light of the world or am i just following a, a reflection in a puddle over here am i truly following the, the the pillar of fire that's guiding me where i need to go or am i looking at something that's a counterfeit and beginning to follow that in my life and we can ask God to reveal that and to illuminate those things. But, but, but we, we need to have the light of the world as the one who guides us because He guides us where it is that He desires us to go and He knows where we absolutely need to go as well. So, light, it illuminates. It helps us to grow and mature. And it guides. Now, what do we do with all this? What do we do with this? Well, in some ways it's really simple, but it's not easy. And that's kind of the Christian life. It's pretty simple, 
but it's not necessarily easy. What does Jesus say here? He says, whoever, what? Follows me. Follows me. Follow Jesus. Again, simple. Not necessarily easy. Follow Jesus. This is the invitation that Jesus gives. He says, whoever follows me will have the light of life. So that's the directive here. He says, says, follow me. Now, here's the cool thing about this. This is an open invitation. This isn't as exclusive. Jesus didn't say, I'm the light of Jerusalem. He didn't say, I'm the, the light of Israel. What did he say? I'm the light of the world. That means that invitation is open to Jew and Gentile, to every tribe and tongue, every nation. It is open to all. And he's saying, come to me. I am the light of the world. Whoever it is you are, wherever it is that you're from, follow me and you will not walk in darkness. Isn't that a great thing? Isn't that something to be thankful for? Because, because and, and again, if you come back to this festival of tabernacles, what's going on there? It's this Thanksgiving. And so that's something that we can be thankful for and we can give Him thanks there. But, but the wording here, again, where Jesus says, follow me, whoever follows me, it, is, it, it, it points to us accompanying Him wherever it is that He goes. It is the language of ongoing obedience. And, and that word that's used here for follow, it, it was used sometimes for soldiers. It was used sometimes for servants and and, and slaves. And and, and it's this picture of going where it is that your leader directs you to go and guides you to go. It is this ongoing life and journey of following Jesus and doing what He does and what He is calling you to do. He says, follow me. Follow me. And I think sometimes we miss that because we think, well, yeah, I put my trust in there, but then I'm going to go walk over here. But this is, this is an ongoing thing. It doesn't discount that we need to, to, to make a, a decision to follow Him because that's part of, of following Him is to make that decision and say, I was going this way, but now I'm going this way because I made that decision to follow Him. Okay? But we can also make that decision again to go, oh, well, that wasn't as easy as I wanted it to be or that wasn't what, exactly what I expected, and so I'm going to go back this way. Now Jesus is saying, follow me ongoing obedience follow me and you will not live in darkness so the directive here is that we follow Jesus the last thing I want to say about this and and again this is something that I think that we we have to be thankful for is that Jesus says can we put that text up here again 812 it says I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So what Jesus says is if you follow me, you have me. If you follow me, you have me. Now the picture that, I, that came to my mind as I was thinking about that is my, my little girl, Anna. And when she was like four, she had these little uh, overalls and a like pink shirt underneath and these little cute pigtails, right? And, uh, and so uh, for some reason, God brought that image to my mind. But, but I remember walking with her at times. And she was kind of just skipping along behind, right? And, but she had hold of my pinky or she had hold of my index finger. Gripped tight. Her hand right around daddy's finger. Now she was following me, but she had me. She had me. 
And if anything came our way, she had me. Now she was following me, but she had her dad. And Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. and You will have the light of life. You'll have everything that you need to light your path. You'll have everything that you need to illuminate the way. You'll have everything that you need to grow and mature. You'll have everything that you need. Follow me. And you will have the light of life. And so, as we follow him, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And I'm here to illuminate, to, to help you grow and mature, and to guide you as well. But again, the invitation is for us to follow him day after day, minute after minute, hour after hour, in obedience, following him where it is that he goes and where it is that he leads us in our lives. Would you guys pray with me? Oh, Father, we know that there's um, so much more that we can glean from your word and so much more that, that you might even be desiring to show us even within this text, within one verse, just the, 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 the well of, of, of uh, treasure that is there for us to find. And so God, I pray that, that, that you would help us as we uh, think on and meditate on this verse over this coming week as we, we, we uh, talk to you and we seek to, to look at what it looks like to follow you more closely and to, to, um, to, to live into this journey of, of, of discipleship and, 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 and going where you go and knowing that, that, that we have you as we do that and knowing that you are the light of the world. I, I pray that as we meditate on that, as we think on that, Lord, that you would reveal even more to us. Lord, that you, would, you truly would help us to grow and mature. That you, by your word, that, that that would come alive in our hearts. That by your, the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would reveal and illuminate things, Lord. And that you would guide us as we, as we continue to follow you, both as a congregation and individually as well. Lord, we're so just thankful. And, 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 and just as that, that festival was, was a time of thanksgiving for how you have generously provided for the Israelites for all of those years in the wilderness, Lord, let us be a people who, who give thanks and thank you for the way that you continue to provide for us, that you continue to guide us. Lord, thank you that that invitation is available to us. It isn't exclusive. There isn't a club that we have to, 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 to belong to, but rather that that invitation is open to all to come and to follow you. Praise God for that. We are so grateful and we, 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 we count it as a gift that that is open and available. Lord, if there are any in this room that, that have not made that decision and have not stepped into that journey of following you, Lord, I pray that you do a work in their heart. I pray that you would bring them to life, that they would be able to, 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 to proclaim that I was once blind, but now I see. I see the light of Christ and that's the way that I'm going. Lord, thank you for the way that you've done that in so many of our hearts and so many of our lives. But I pray that you would continue to do that, that you would continue to, 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 to bring life into to, to hearts that are, 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 are steeped in darkness right now, Lord, that are, that are just blind to the, to, uh, by the world around them and, and, and by where they are, that you would, you would flip on the light switch there. Lord, that just as we sang earlier, that, that you would set captives free. Father, that, 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 that we would be able to sing out, let there be light, let there be light. Restore sight to the blind. Freedom for captives, Lord. 
And so, God, that is our prayer as, you, as we look to you as the light of the world. Lord, we put our trust and our hope fully in you, and we thank you for the gift that you are and the opportunity we have to worship you here together this morning. We love you, and we pray um, that your presence would guide us as we go from this place this morning. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stan, we're going to sing a couple songs to close this morning.